thing in life that you can go from ordinary to extraordinary when you add one little word consisting of five letters, the word extra. And so far in our study, we've looked at the life of Noah, a man that truly lived an extraordinary life. And we found that his life in many ways could be boiled down to just a single verse of Scripture. In Genesis 6 and verse 22, the Bible says, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Noah's extra was this. He made a decision at some point in his life, if God said it, I'm going to do it. Whatever God says, that's what I want for my life. I'm going to listen to the Lord. Our next study, we met a man by the name of Caleb. And uh, Caleb, from a very young age to the very last days of his life, he had uh, really just the extra of trust in the promises of God. He believed in God's promises. He believed in the God of the promise. And, and really, we took his life down to just a single verse in Numbers chapter 14. and verse 24, the Bible says, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land, that was the land of promise, whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. So we've seen a couple extraordinary people thus far. And today I'd like for us to meet someone else. He's someone that endured real opposition like we all face in life. He dealt with that incredible enemy that we all face as well, that enemy within. Many times I'm my own worst enemy, and I think you all know what I mean. A lot of times we've got to make sure we're not letting our bodies, if you were, ourselves call the shots. We've got to determine what is right, and then, then we've got to make sure that we have leadership beginning with leadership in, in our own lives, self, self-control. And uh, we know that this man faced enemies within, he faced enemies without. Uh, he was a man, as we'll see, who dealt with incredible paralyzing fear, and that's been a theme in the song service today for a reason. I wanted us to really begin to understand what it is that this one we'll study today learned. He learned that fear needed to be put in its place when you believe in a great God. And uh, he was a man that dealt with fatigue. He just had a moment in time where he got tired, and uh, we're going to see how he dealt with that. And through it all, his life moved forward. And the man we're going to study today, as Ryan said earlier, is a man by the name of Gideon. He, I believe, is a great example of that extra of persistence. Persistence. I mean, that bulldog of determination where he just kept going in the course of his life. And what I love about these little extras that we're considering is that they're so simple that any of us could do them. And really what I'm trying to help all of us understand is that many times what separates us from where we are as opposed to where we could go for the Lord is it's just many times littler things, nuances if you would. And, and, and Gideon was a man who decided I will persist in the course of life. And his life unfolds over the course of a few chapters here in the Old Testament book of Judges. And uh, nobody would have picked Gideon as the most likely to succeed. Nobody. And yet, because of the value of persistence, he changed not only his own life for the better, he changed the life of his family, and, and he was a catalyst for a change that came to an entire nation. He's a great man in many ways, and I want us to begin our study in, in Judges chapter 8. We're going to look together uh, in verse 4, and if you're able this morning, I'd like to invite you to join me in standing as we read just a verse of Scripture together, Judges chapter 8 and verse 4. If you're glad you're in church, say amen. amen. I, I got to tell you, I can't wait to share this message with you. 
How many of you could use just a little help at any part of your life, anywhere in your life? You could use a little help. I promise you today, God's Word's going to help us, okay? And uh, I'm not saying I'm a great preacher, but I'm saying that I've got a great message because it comes right out of the Bible. And if you're looking for a little help, you stick with me in the study today, and you're going to leave saying, you know what? Uh, I was helped today. I was encouraged. I received something that I needed. Judges chapter 8 and verse 4. The Bible says, And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over. He... And the 300 men that were with him, faint, yet pursuing them. Faint, yet pursuing. Tired, but he continued. Worn out, but he pressed on. I want us to think of the life of this one who embodied the extra of persistence. Our Father, we are so thankful today to be in this place, to enjoy the freedoms we have in this land, and to worship you. And God, now as we come to you and your word, I pray that you'd open our hearts so that we may see uh, what you have to say to us today. And Lord, then I pray that you'd help us to apply what you teach us. And uh, I pray that we would leave here today better for our time in the word. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. He certainly did not look exemplary. In fact, he looked like a person who'd been completely defeated in life. If we were to go back to the beginning where the Bible introduces us to Gideon, we would have seen him and we would have thought what a sad situation he's in, what a sad life he's living. He certainly looked as though he was a man who had totally given up on life. He looked like someone who acquiesced to the pressure that came his way. Yet we're warned in the Bible, aren't we, not to judge something from just a snapshot of a person's life. We're warned in the Bible not to look at a person in just one moment and try to come to a conclusion. No verdict is final as long as the life is still being lived. And, and the Bible in 1 Corinthians 4, in verse 5, teaches us this. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. When we first meet Gideon in the Bible, we would have come to a conclusion that he was a man who was done, he'd stalled out, he'd given up on life, and had we come to that conclusion, we would have been totally wrong. Because as long as there's life, there's hope, and there was room for growth in his life. When he's first introduced in the pages of Scripture, he's a man that wasn't any different than the other men in the country. He was living a life that was absolutely controlled by fear. In fact, when we first meet Gideon, we'll go there in a moment, uh, the Bible tells us he was hiding. There was a reason he was hiding. He was, he was afraid. He was financially upside down. I don't know if you've ever been there, but he was a man who was financially upside down. And he was a man, frankly, who was filled with bitterness. He wasn't real happy with how his life had turned out. And to be honest with you, he kind of had a little bit of that loser victim mentality. Oh, I can't make it because of me, because of my unique situation. And, and life's been mean to me and cruel to me and bad to me. And, and uh, he, he's just totally discouraged. And it seems like he had replaced the goals maybe of a younger person who's looking to the future with hope. He'd replaced those goals with, man, if I can just find a way to get by if I can fly under the radar here and, and maybe draw as little attention as possible, it seemed as though he'd totally given up on life. The story of his life begins in Judges chapter 6, and if your Bibles are open, you may want to turn a couple pages to the left. We'll see a couple verses in Judges chapter 6. In Judges 6 and verse 11, we read this. The Bible says, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which is in Ophrah, 
that pertained unto Joash the Abizarite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Now, the Midianites were enemies to the people of God, and, and they were like invaders, marauders, who would w- wait around for the harvest season. And, and after a farmer had gone through all the work of planting the crops and growing the crops and praying for the rain and, and bringing them in, they would come in during the harvest season and take all of your crops away. And uh, they were not good people. And, and so we find Gideon, the Bible tells us, that he's here, it's, it's harvest time, he's, he's trying to get the crops in, and, and he had to go through a process of separating the kernel of wheat from the husk, and, and that's called threshing. And threshing was always done up on a hilltop where there was wind blowing, and they'd go through a process where they would kind of beat it to begin the separation process, and then they'd throw it up in the air, the wind would come by and, and blow the chaff away, or the, or the husk portion, and the heavier kernel would fall down. But we find Gideon in a place where they would squeeze the grapes to get the juice from the grapes. He's in a lower place where where the juice would flow. No breeze, no wind. And and he's going through this, and he's, he's doing what he can in a place of hiding to just find a way to get some food for him and his family. I want you to see him there. He's hot and he's sweaty. There's no breeze down there. Dust and the chaff are sticking to the sweat on his face. He's grumbling beneath his breath, and we can only imagine what it is he'd have to grumble and say. He's aggravated. He's irritated. Life seems as though it could get no worse. And that's when the Bible says that the angel of the Lord came to him. And the angel added these words in verse 12 of Judges 6. The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Here's this man hiding paralyzed by fear and the angel of the lord comes and says gideon you're a mighty man of valor and i I might want to add right now it certainly didn't look that way it didn't appear from the exterior that there was any might or valor in this man we call gideon he's he's down he's despondent and and he's in hiding just trying to find a way to get through life yet it was through this conversation as it would develop that god would lead gideon to to be a man that would lead an undersized, ill-prepared, outmatched group, really, of farmers to take on the Midianites in a war. The odds in the fight were overwhelming. Some have suggested the odds were 400 to 1, 400 Midianite soldiers for every one Israeli farmer who had become a soldier in this fight. It was one of those uh, fights you'd say, there's just no way they would ever win this one. But we see that this man Gideon, He had a life that when given to God, it it made a great impact. God's power and strategy brought the win. God gets the glory. But it's good for us to know how God worked in Gideon's life to bring that win. In fact, where we find Gideon in in our text, where we read in Judges chapter 8, is after the biggest part of that fight. The Midianites are are on the run, and at the point of our initial verse in in Judges 8, we know that Gideon had not only been fighting them, been up all night fighting them, he's now pursuing them in in rough territory, and the Bible makes it clear, I mean, it was was a rough area where they were trying to pursue the enemies, and and, uh, uh, here they are in this incredible time, difficult in in many ways, and and that was the victory that came, and and, and we could wonder, uh, listen, uh, is that even possible, and I want to remind you that Matthew 19 and verse 26 give us the words of Jesus where he said, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. 
And I love these stories, these these epic victories from someone who would be the least likely to succeed in our eyes. It reminds us that God can do anything through any of us who come to Him in faith. Yet when it comes to Gideon's extra persistence, we find an unexpected beginning. Again, he appeared to have quit. And were it not for the grace of God, I suppose that's where the story of his life would have ended. He would have been a frustrated man who just kind of spent his days. He, did, he wouldn't have invested them. He would have just spent his days just eking out a living. By definition, he would have been alive, but we all know that for all intents and purposes, he would have stopped living a life of any significance. But that was just a moment in his life. A change was coming. A difference was being made in, in his life. And, and we begin to see the power of persistence and how it played out in Gideon's life. And, and we have to understand some things. And so this morning, if you have your note taker books nearby, I'd like for you to join me there. The first element we're going to see is this. Without resistance, there can be no persistence. Without resistance, there can be no persistence. If you're still with me, say amen. amen. All right. Now, I want us to think of this together. We could wonder, how can a life that appears to have quit become the life pastor that you want to elevate as a model of persistence? How can a life that seems to have quit be a life that becomes a model of persistence? And I would say that the answer to that question is in the question itself. The word persist means this, to continue firmly or obstinately in an opinion or a course of action in spite of difficulty, opposition, or failure. Or failure. You see, if there's no resistance, you can't possibly uh, persist. And, and, And difficulty and opposition and even failure, you see, those are the canvases with which persistence is displayed if you don't have those things in your life you don't have the joy of ever being persistent those are the the elements that let persistence come to light in our lives we so often think of failure as final but failure is not the opposite of success it's part of the process that leads to success our failures need not be losses in the truest sense if we go through them in the right way there are always times of learning and growing and, and developing while working on the light bulb it's been said that thomas edison uh, made this statement I, I haven't failed i've just found ten thousand ways that won't work what was he saying with with each failure if you would i've learned i've grown I've gained, I've improved, I've matured. Even King David wrote in Psalm 119, it is good for me that I've been afflicted. Oh, really? It's good for you? He said, yes, it's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. I have no doubt that Gideon would not have signed up for the affliction he was going through. Uh, But in the end, like David, he would see that the resistance he faced was used for good so that he could learn now listen what i'm sharing with you is so incredibly important because nearly every day of my life i i speak with people who believe that failures need be final for them in fact i've got to tell you this is a thought i battle in my own heart and mind i already told you that one of the great enemies we all face is the one inside many times it's not the labels that others put on us it's labels that we apply to ourselves But the Word of God always encourages me. You see, God does not see my failure or my lack of perceptible progress as final. God gave a word through the prophet Jeremiah for His people that I think is good for us today. 
Jeremiah 8 and verse 4, the, the Lord says this, moreover, uh, sh- uh, moreover, thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Shall they fall and not arise? Shall he turn away and not return? God says, in other words, are, are, are they going to fall just stay there? Really? That's what they're going to do? They're going to allow that to be the end, the conclusion, the finality of a thing? No, 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 no. There's a better way to go through life, and it's, it's employing this extra, this extra of persistence. Oh, I love that verse in Jeremiah because for me it it undergirds the saying that a success in life is not someone who's never fallen. A success in life is someone who gets up one more time than they get knocked down. Now, I don't want you to mistake me this morning. I'm not advocating faltering or failing or falling. But I'm telling you that in order to persist, you must continue in spite of difficulty and opposition or failure so don't sit there today and say pastor i'm going through difficult times in my life and i'm facing opposition and i've even had a failure so i can't do what we're talking about today i would say were it not for those things you couldn't do what we're talking about today God is allowing these seasons to be times of learning. Gideon is a fantastic picture of persistence, not because he never faltered in his life, but because he faltered and then got up in faith. Without resistance, there can be no persistence. Here's the second thought today. Persistence can lead to progress when rooted in a position. Friends, I want you to know persistence does not always lead to progress. It doesn't always lead. One well-known author and educator is said to have told us that there is a word that describes the person that does the same things over and over and over and expects a different result from them. The word he is said to have used is the word insane. Say, Pastor, why are you saying it that way? Uh, you know, sometimes you Google statements to make sure you get it exactly right and you find out maybe Einstein didn't say it that exactly that way, but he's been quoted uh, that way many times. The, the, the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over and expecting a different result. By persistence today, I want you to know I'm not talking about just do the same things over and over. If you're doing the wrong things, you're not going to get the right result. So persistence doesn't always lead to progress. But when you grow in the course of life through persistence, you then can move forward. And and it's interesting that our world often says, get a win and you'll be a winner. Become successful and you then will know what it is to personally be a success. And I want you to know with God, it never, ever, ever works that way. That's not how it works with God. You know what God says? God says, first, you need to understand who I am. And you you need to then understand who you are in me. And you need to find that basis or your position so that you can move forward in the course of your life. We move forward in life when our spiritual identity is found and anchored in Jesus Christ. Now for Gideon, that's seen in the message of thou mighty man of valor. Thou mighty man of valor. By all appearances, he was not. Yet God looked at him and God said, you're a mighty man of valor. We could say, well, was he or was he not? He wasn't acting like one at the moment, but there was something that God had put in him, and he had to learn to see himself as God declared him to be. Love it. 
When Gideon began to grow into seeing himself as God did, his actions then reflected a heart of faith and agreement with God. And what the product was in his life were results that were honoring to the Lord. That might and that valor, it was there by God's touch, but it wasn't utilized until he agreed with God in faith. God, God knows that we need to understand exactly what I'm saying right now. Because the labels we apply to ourselves aren't the most important. The labels that we perceive others to apply to us, it's not that important. I want to tell you what is imperative today. If you are a person of faith, if you're a Christian, if you know your sins have been forgiven, you have a home reserved for you in heaven, there is a most important. It's understanding who you are in Christ. It's understanding that the Father sees us through the shed blood of Jesus and looking through the prism of red, He sees us as white as snow. We've got to understand who we are in Jesus. Jesus, our spiritual position. Listen to what uh, Paul said. And by the way, God filled his word with passages that deal with the very thing I'm talking about now. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Friends, it's hard to remain inactive in our life of faith when, when, when we understand that God declares us to be blessed and he declares us to be chosen and adopted and accepted and redeemed and forgiven. All the fuel you need to expend in the process of persisting is found in understanding who you are in Jesus Christ. I can't possibly sit down and let life pass me by. Do you have any idea who I am? I'm a child of God. I've been bought with the blood of Jesus. He's forgiven me. I've been adopted into the family. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I mean none of this in an arrogant way. It was all made possible by Jesus. But with hearts of gratitude, we can say, God, thank you for loving me and giving me a life of purpose. And God, I pray that you'd help me to live up to everything you've called me to do. Friends, we go no further in our Christian life until we begin from this fixed point of reference, which is our position in Jesus that leads us to this thought. To persist in persistence, I know that's a weird way to say it, but I'm talking about our topic. To persist in persistence, we need God's perspective. In the passage where we began, we read this, and Gideon came to Jordan and passed over, he and the 300 men that were with him, faint, yet pursuing them. Now again, at this point, the battle had been going on. He'd worked very hard. He'd been in a fight. He's pursuing the enemy and in rough terrain. And, and uh, listen, the time for rest would come. This is not a message against resting. In fact, you'll be glad to know, I believe I'm going to preach the entire month of June on resting. And uh, there's a lot the Bible says about that. I'm not preaching against resting. It wasn't time for a rest right here. It's time to press on. It's time to seize the day. It's time to get the win. And so he was faint. And the Bible says, yet he was pursuing. What he does is he crosses the Jordan and he just keeps on going. And I, I just want us to wonder together today, 
What compelled Gideon to press on? He, he could have stopped there. He got a big win. It wasn't all that it could have been, but he had a big win. Why, why did he keep going? Listen, why did he keep going when many other people would have said, I've already done more than I ever thought I would have. Let's just hang out right here. Why did he keep going? And, and I'll share with you today how any of us can keep going. Listen, this will apply to every one of us. This will apply to our marriages. This will apply to our parenting. This will apply to our careers. It will apply to football players. It will apply to everybody. Why did Gideon keep going when other people would have said, I'm, I'm faint. I'm just going to slow down right here. Here's, here's what it was. Number one, the past results. The past results. Looking back, Gideon could see that God had not failed him one time. And his persistence produced a perspective that paved the way for more perspective. In other words, you can look in the rearview mirror of his life and he says, you know something? When I responded to the Lord in this way, that's what happened. And that's the result I want in my life. And so I want to keep going. I want to keep pressing on for God. He could reflect on God's victories in, in the recent past. It, the psalmist said it this way in Psalm 27 and verse 13. I had fainted unless... He said, I would have fainted, I would have quit, I would have stopped, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, he was saying, I had every good reason to quit, but I just couldn't escape the fact that there is a good God who's done good things for me in my life, and, and I want to keep going for Him. Early in this story, we read in Judges 6 and verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor the lord is with thee he's with you and when god is with you persistence in his will makes great sense i like how paul said it in romans 8 he said what shall we then say to these things if god be for us who can be against us and gideon had this sense as long as i pursue god's will guess what he's for me and i want to keep going for god there was just no good place to quit when he realized how good and faithful God had been. Sometimes the, the motivation we need to press on comes from looking in the past and seeing the good that has come in, in those times. There's a second reason. It wasn't just the past results. I want us to think of the present responsibilities. We don't often think of this, but did you know that if you quit, it impacts a whole lot more people than just you? Let me talk to some of the dads for a moment. Listen, we got all kinds of problems in our world today. and We want to talk about uh, uh, objects that have no life in and of themselves. Let, let me tell you one of the great solutions that would meet the need of many problems in our country today. If there'd be more dads who'd be persistent because they had some present responsibilities. I'm talking about people that wouldn't be so selfish as to say, you know, I'm just going to do it any old way that I want to do it. But people that would step up and say, you know something, I've got a responsibility and I want to meet this to the best of my ability. If we quit, it impacts a lot of people. In Romans, we read this in Romans 14, verse 7. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. And before we read that Gideon was faint yet pursuing, the Bible told us this. He and the 300 men that were with him. In other words, Gideon had influence over those, those other guys on his team, these other men that he was with. And, and what's interesting is when we first meet Gideon, and, and he was discouraged and hiding and controlled by fear. You know what he was? He was depressed. You know what else he was? He was selfish. And those two often, not always, be careful, not always, but I'm saying selfish people many times are very unhappy people. 
But man, once his life is rolling, what's he doing? He says, I, I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing for the glory of God and for the good of others. I can't quit now. i got these guys depending on me. We've got families that are counting on us. There's a whole country at stake here. I, I can't wimp out in the day of adversity because I'm tired. I'm just going to keep pursuing for the Lord. When he got going, his decisions had others in mind. And, and, and God helped him in that way. Peter wrote this to us in 1 Peter 4, verse 10. He said, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold of grace. Friends, when we are others-minded, we, we tend to persist in a much deeper way. When we're others-minded, when we care about those around us, our, our persistence can go to a whole new place, a much deeper level. A sense of personal responsibility to the roles in life that God gives will make us do better in marriages and as parents and as friends and as co-workers and on I could go. God's will is between him and us. But know this, it's always bigger than that. The ramifications of the decisions we make in life always touch those around us. All right, Gideon, you were faint, but you kept going. Why? Well, I believe we can see the past results and the present responsibilities, but I want us to think of the potential reward. The potential reward. How many of you think leading a, a nation to victory in this way would have come with some pretty awesome perks for Gideon, huh? Uh, uh, one against 400, that was uh, about the, the degree that he had to overcome those odds, and, and uh, he led this country that was living in subservience to just other raiders and marauders who'd come in and steal them. He, he leads these, these ragtag group of guys to a great victory. It would have come with some pretty awesome perks you you might even get called upon to be the king if you did something like that and that's exactly what happened to Gideon he was tired but he said I'm not going to quit I'm going to keep going and, and the people come to him in Judges chapter 8 verses 22 and 23 then the men of Israel said unto Gideon rule thou over us both thou and thy son and thy son's son also. I'm going to read on, but what they were saying is, listen, Gideon, let's set this thing up. We're talking about a full-on monarchy. Your kids will follow you. They said, for thou hast delivered us from the hand of Midian. And Gideon said unto them, listen to this. I will not. I will not rule over you. Neither shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Now, we could think, Gideon, you could have got a lot out of that, man. And Gideon would say, oh, but I did. Have you ever heard the saying, doing right is its own reward? There's no greater feeling in life than those occasions, those moments, those seasons, when we just did exactly what we know was the right thing to do. Gideon said, I wasn't in this to get a title or to get a perk or a benefit or, or, or any of that. He, he was saying, in essence, no, I did what I did because it was the right thing to do. I'm not going to rule over you. My sons aren't going to rule over you. The Lord is, is going to be the one that rules over you. He was content to be a part of a massive work that God was doing. He changed his life. He changed his family's life. He blessed the nation. It led to 40 years of peace. What Gideon did literally led to 40 years of peace. When you discern God's perspective in life, you never will lack for that inner motivation. You begin to view life for what it is, that opportunity first to come to know the Lord and secondly to serve Him with all of our heart, soul, and might. We will see the inner motivation needed to persist even at times 
when we're faint. When Gideon understood God's purpose and then God's plan and then his position within the plan and the power that accompanied it all, he, he said this, how can I quit now? Yeah, I know I'm faint. I, I know I'm tired. I know I'm weary. I, I know it's not always easy. The walk's not always downhill. I, I, I know that there are reasons to quit, but how could I ever quit? He thought, I'll just keep going for the glory of God and for the good of others. And persisting is something that we all can do. It's not a supernatural strength. It's a decision on our part in response to the goodness of God to say, God, I want to submit the desires of my flesh that would say, why don't we quit now? And God, I want to accept your will. And I want to do that which you've given me to do to each of us today. The Lord says this in Galatians 6 and verse 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Friends, you can trust God. He will never let you down. We will become weary at times, but we need never faint when we learn to live the extra of persistence. Our Father, we're thankful today that you are a God of great love, that you're a God who takes people, Lord, all of us are ordinary in that sense. But as we come to you in faith and we begin to live for you, that extra comes as, as you work in us and then you work through us. Lord, we're not here today to celebrate or praise or deify this man named Gideon. We're here today to acknowledge that he was an ordinary man in every sense of the word, but because you are a great and a mighty and an overcoming God, that you can take any life, the lives of those represented in this room this morning, and God, as we just determine to live for you and to keep going for you, that God, you can use us in the way that is most needed. You can help us to be a blessing to our families and in our communities. And God, we do know that you've called us who know you to be salt and light in this world. And God, I know we all have it in us to be weary and to be faint, but God, I pray that we would be people in those times who keep pursuing, who keep following you, Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed this morning in a spirit of prayer. And I want us to be thinking, as we receive the lesson from Gideon today, I wonder, what, what part of your life is it 